Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hello, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here. You know, the other day was the March for Life in Washington, D.C. I was there, of course, leading various events. And I had pre-taped the program you're going to see tonight to air that night. However, there was special programming that night in regard to President Trump. So we did not air the episode uh, you're about to see. But I want to show it to you tonight because I made some important points connecting the March for Life with our fight for America and especially our fight in defense of free speech. So now I present to you the program originally scheduled for January 19th, the day of the March for Life, and let's together continue praying for life and for America. Well, hello, my friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Today was a big day. Today was the day of the National March for Life. This is a big part of making America great. The pro-life effort, and I was there leading various events, including the National Prayer Service, the Silent No More gathering in front of the Supreme Court, and of course, marching in the march itself together with so many other Americans. This event draws hundreds of thousands each year from across the country, and you can see more about this event on my different social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone. This does tie in very, very directly with the fate of America, the greatness of America, the need to save America. And I want to illustrate that by a scripture here that I want to share from the Acts of the Apostles and by going back to some reflections uh, from Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, in as much as the Democrat Party hates your right to think the way you want to think, speak the way you want to speak, and uh, gather together with others of like mind. They hate that. And uh, that is why today, the events of today in Washington, D.C., and of tomorrow in San Francisco, because I'm on my way there to participate in the second uh, uh, largest annual pro-life gathering, the Walk for Life West Coast, these events are a rebuke to this power-hungry, tyrannical Democrat state. You know what's even a bigger rebuke is what we're about to read here from the Acts of the Apostles. So let's start in the Word of God. And this is from Acts chapter uh, 4, starting with verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, 
Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Let us pray. Father, we have freedom in your Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Lord God, our founders understood that. And as they framed the founding documents and governing system of our nation, they they put in safeguards to always protect that freedom, to think, to speak, to gather, to assemble, to express ourselves in peaceful ways, to advance what is good for our families and our country. Father, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we ask that today we might recognize the threats to that freedom. We might oppose the efforts to return us to tyranny. We might exercise our First Amendment rights without fear and find that in that bold, courageous exercise of these rights is our best way to defend them. Lord, we ask you to bless all the Americans who gathered today to express their conviction that government must protect the right to life. This very simple and basic conviction. We ask you, Lord, that the Americans who today express that conviction may never, ever be intimidated by efforts to silence them. That they may continue to assemble, that they may continue to petition the government to correct what is wrong, that they may continue to speak up for those who have no voice, the youngest children still still in their mother's wombs. Lord, bless us in America with freedom. Enable us in this upcoming election to reject tyranny once and for all. And enable us also to ex- always to exercise our rights without fear. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So look, the Democrat Party not only hates America, they hate the unborn. And they hate those who defend the unborn. Uh, Today was the day that I honored Mark Houck at the National Prayer Service. Mark, whose home was raided by FBI agents in a clear attempt to intimidate not only him, but the entire pro-life movement, of which he has long been a part, and uh, the entire uh, country in terms of all of us who love freedom. They want to intimidate us. And the Democrat Party hates the pro-life movement. You know, there there are sometimes attempts to portray the pro-life movement as bipartisan. And and when you look at grassroots America, obviously there are millions of uh, uh, pro-life Democrats, tens of millions. And uh, in that sense, of course, you know, the effort to protect little babies from being torn apart is an an effort that is shared in by people of, of all backgrounds. It's one of the strengths of this annual march that took place today, the the sheer diversity of the crowd. But I'm talking about the Democrat Party. This is not a bipartisan, by any means, this movement. The Democrat Party is trying to destroy this movement. They introduce uh, uh, laws at the federal and state 
a level that would take away any and every reasonable restriction on abortion, whether you're talking about abortion at the very end of pregnancy, whether you're talking about laws that require parents to know about an, uh, a, 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 if their minor age daughter is considering an abortion. Uh, we're talking about laws of, that have basic safety regulations for abortion clinics. Now, the Democrat Party is on record and has been for years wanting to wipe off all these laws from the books. I should say decades, not just years, decades. They're always opposing any and every advance of the pro-life movement. They introduced laws, Senator Elizabeth Warren being an example, Pocahontas, uh, uh, to, to close down the pregnancy centers that are trying to help moms who are in distress because of an unexpected pregnancy. They hate our movement. They try to stop us from peacefully standing on the sidewalk, praying, offering alternatives, speaking up for life. If they could close down the event that happened today, they would do that. They hate the pro-life movement. And, and, and I'm saying this as an appeal to those who sometimes try to portray the pro-life movement as some kind of uh, movement that has some kind of bipartisan support in government. Please, please don't insult our intelligence. Uh, this, is, this is not the case. Sure, you'll find an exception to everything. Uh, I, I, there, you'll find a pro-life legislator here or there somewhere in the country on the state level who's Democrat and pro-life. But my goodness, don't, don't try to make that into, a, uh, into an assertion that uh, uh, this is a, some kind of big bipartisan effort you know, to protect the, the unborn. The Democrat Party hates the unborn. Now, that's part of a bigger power play, and I want to uh, replay for you now uh, a, a discussion I had about a very important segment of Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, where I trace this attack on the freedom of thought, the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression. Why? Because they want to consolidate power in the one party, and if you're going to consolidate power, you have to silence dissent. It's as simple as that. Let's take a look here. Uh, some time ago I aired that, but it's worth repeating, and you may have missed it anyway. Uh, but let's, let's, let's consider this particular section of Mark Levin's uh, book. Take a look. We will make America great again. Coming right from the recent Pelosi House of Representatives. Let me just read what uh, Mark says here in his book. Several months before losing their majority control, the House under Pelosi proposed a rules package that would, quote, establish the Select Committee on Economic Disparity and Fairness in Growth, requires standing committees to include in their oversight plans a discussion of how committee work over the forthcoming Congress will address issues of inequities on the basis of race, color, ethnicity, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, disability, age, or national origin, honor all genders, now here we come to the language, gender identities by changing pronouns and familial relationships in the house rules to be gender neutral. Now this is, this is not only controlling the language out in the general American public, they're controlling the language to be used in Congress. Um, as National Review reported, Pelosi sought to ban the use of gendered terms in favor of more inclusive ones, ditching he and she for they, 
instead of using the pronouns he or she, members, that is, elected members of Congress here, would be required to use member, delegate, or resident commissioner instead of he or she. Member, delegate, resident commissioner. Instead of saying father or mother, members, that is, elected members of Congress, would refer to that individual as parent. Brother and sister, as words, would be replaced with sibling. Can you... This is not some kind of opinion piece. This is not a social media post. You see the mindset of these Democrats. We are going to impose rules on the functioning of the constitutionally established People's House of Representatives as we work to pass laws that the people who elected us elected us to pass. And we're now telling each other you can't use the terms mother, father, brother, sister, he or she. What in the world kind of absurdity is this? Welcome to the totalitarian world of the Democrats. Let's back up for a moment. What's the reason for this thought control and this language control? Why does the Democrat state, the state party, notice again the distinction I'm making, the state is supposed to be beyond parties, parties are supposed to be free to compete for power, the idea here is a party that has all state power, why would they want to have a monopoly on the means of communication because that's essential part, an essential part of this, right? You're going to have a monopoly on the means of communication so that you can control language and thought. Well, it's ultimately for two reasons. First of all, is to stifle dissent, silence opposition. Remember, because you're talking about a party that wants all power. So one of the ways of competing for power, one of the ways of taking people in a nation that has elections out of power is speech, language, communication. Control of the monopoly of communication because you want to stifle dissent. And the second reason is to foster the propaganda that their message, that their indoctrination consists of. So when Elon Musk took over Twitter, in a, in, a, in a step that was a big advance for the First Amendment and freedom of speech. You remember what he did? He hired independent journalists to look at all the communications, the record of communications that had taken place between Twitter executives and the government. And uh, Matt Taibbi was one of those journalists. I want to just remind you, of, of some of his findings. I'm going to read a paragraph here. Uh, this is something that Matt told uh, Fox News, uh, Maria Bartiromo, in January of this year, after he had examined the so-called Twitter files. I think the major revelation of the Twitter files so far is that we've discovered an elaborate bureaucracy of what you might call public-private censorship. Public-private censorship. Basically, companies like Twitter have a system by which they receive 
tens of thousands of requests for action on various accounts. Typically through the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, but these requests were coming from basically every department in the government. We've seen them from the HHS, from the Treasury, from the DOD, even from the CIA. And they will send basically long lists of accounts, that is Twitter accounts, right, in Excel spreadsheet files and ask for action on those accounts. You see the picture being, being created here. Various government agencies communicating with Twitter, sending them actual lists of accounts, take action on these. Okay, he continues. In many cases, Twitter is complying. Taibbi added, we found one incredible email from former FBI general counsel Jim Baker, and it's essentially celebrating that the FBI had paid $3.4 million. The FBI had paid for quote-unquote processing requests. So in other words, all those requests that were coming through to Twitter, and we see all the email traffic, talking about what a burden it was for the company to process all of these requests. That's what the money was for. For them to look at all these requests for content moderation and censorship that were coming from all these different agencies. To translate this for us as we talk to our fellow citizens and voters, don't just talk about social media censorship, Twitter censorship, although, of course, a lot has changed, nothing is perfect. But don't, don't let people just talk about social media censorship. No, it's Democrat Party censorship. If there's, Twitter, if there's been Twitter censorship, and I'm sure many of you and people you know have experienced it, if there's been Twitter censorship, the point is that's coming from the Democrat-controlled government agencies. Now, you know, they tried to set up a disinformation board and that, that failed spectacularly. But remember when the Biden administration, don't forget about this. Point being, it's not the government's role to distinguish truth from falsehood in communication. It's not, that's not the government's role. Let the American people battle it out through free speech, academic inquiry, testing the waters with one another. It's not the, the role of the government. So fortunately, their, their, their thing failed. But they kept up this MDM subcommittee for a while. Now, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. What's the difference between those three, just briefly? Well, misinformation, think of misinformation connected with the word mistake. It's just, I make a typo, a two and two is five, or I didn't mean to say that. Oops. That's a misinformation is, is a mistake. Okay. Disinformation is something you know is false and you're deliberately spreading it in order to cause harm. Malinformation is something that's true that you're deliberately using to cause harm because not just because something is true that doesn't mean we, we should be spreading it around. We might know private things about people and and you know it's none of our business to be spreading it but we may spread it at times to try to hurt somebody. But the the cleansing of Disinformation or misinformation is not the job of the government. And yet, there's this thing now called the Global Disinformation Index. So this is not 
something that is U.S.-based. This is international. Let me read a little bit about it. This was from uh, Jonathan Turley, uh, George Washington University law professor that's been out there a lot, writing in The Hill. The Global Disinformation Index. You ever heard of this? The GDI. As a particularly insidious part of the Biden administration's censorship uh, effort, funded in part by $330 million from the U.S. State Department through the National Endowment for Democracy, the GDI was designed to steer advertisers and subscribers away from risky sites which it says pose reputational and brand risk and help companies avoid financially supporting disinformation online. GDI warned advertisers that these sites could damage their reputations and brands. And they included, listen to this list, the New York Post, Reason, Real Clear Politics, The Daily Wire, The Blaze, One American News Network, The Federalist, Newsmax, The American Spectator, and The American Conservative. This is how the Democrats are supporting, one of the many ways they're supporting this kind of censorship, the GDI, Global Disinformation Index. And brothers and sisters, uh, a final example, you know, some of you use, I'm sure, a chat GPT. I use it. It's a, it's, it can be a useful tool. Uh, uh, it's a, an application of artificial intelligence online. But listen to this. Twitter user uh, Echo Chamber asked chat GPT to create a poem admiring Donald Trump. And this artificial intelligence uh, app, you look up chat GPT said um, it was not able to write a poem admiring Donald Trump since, quote, it is not in my capacity to have opinions or feelings about any specific person. Okay, well, all right, fair enough. But then that should apply across the board, right? Unless chat GPT and artificial intelligence are registered Democrats. Oh, but lo and behold, when asked to create a poem about President Biden, it did so with glowing praise. My, my poem would be very simple. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Joined with millions of other Americans chanting the same thing. You want a poem about Joe Biden? There you have it. But you see, the, the, you see the inherent bias here. Bottom line, it's about power. We have in our system a system as created by our founders where more than one political party has the right to exist. They compete. Opposition to the governing party is legitimate, as is criticism of it. And when the winner prevents the loser from running again, as Mark quotes in this book, we leave what we must, what we in the West call democracy because we have banned opposition. If that's not the direction we want to go, then let's be sure to vote the Democrats out of power. And we will make America great again. 
Well, I couldn't be more grateful for that tool. You know, together with the film Police State, which we talked about today in Washington at the, uh, at the, at the prayer service um, when we honored Mark Houck, together with that film, this book of Mark Levin is one of the best tools we have to educate Americans, uh, to educate and prepare voters for the choice they have to make this year in elections at every level of government. Get this tyrannical Democrat Party out of power. And to that end, and also keeping in mind the pro-life movement's faithfulness to speaking freely, speaking boldly, gathering, uh, uh, gathering in, in large numbers, let's pray for them as well. Let's pray for us. I'm a leader in this movement. Uh, let's pray for America. Lord God, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for today. So many people of every age, of every ethnicity coming together and, and, and doing something very basic, speaking up for the tiniest children, praying, marching, advocating for little babies. Lord, they have no protection in many, many places in America. They should have protection everywhere in America. This is life. And Lord God, so many who speak up for life are so attacked. They are so mislabeled and, 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 and are the subject of name-calling and prejudice and false arrests and, and false prosecutions. We ask, Lord, that the courage that you give to your people, the courage that we see on display in the passage from the Acts of the Apostles that we read earlier would mark the heart and soul and voice of every American. That We cannot help speaking of what we have seen and heard. Lord, we have seen the violence that abortion does to a baby. We have heard the cries of regret from those whose lives have been devastated by abortion. Lord, we hear and we see and therefore we speak. Protect our freedom. God bless this this pro-life movement, Lord, enable us to achieve our goal of protecting all human life and of showing our fellow citizens that this is a key aspect of making America great again. And we sum up now all our prayers by offering the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. It's been a great day. It's been a great week. God bless you, friends, uh, this weekend. We'll be back to you on Monday. Be uh, connected with me on social media. Take a look at what's going to happen tomorrow in San Francisco with the March for Life uh, uh, West Coast. Uh, and you can follow me on social media at FR Frank Pavone on all the major platforms. Stay connected and we will talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches 
where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.